Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 167. I'm Paul Spain. Hi all, I'm Will Reid. And I'm Bill Bennett. Welcome along to the show, guys. Great to have you here. Evening. Nice to be here. Now, Bill, remind us where you, uh, for those that aren't regular listeners, where you fit into the technology community? I write stuff about technology for a living. Um, you can find me on my uh, website, which is digital without the, um, without the A, .co.nz, and, and Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter. Excellent. Right. Unlike my esteemed colleagues, I am a tech enthusiast, uh, work, also work in the tech industry, uh, training on electronic uh, consumer goods products. Well, much like us then, so uh, much, yeah, tech enthusiasts bit. all around. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, let's uh, let's jump right in uh, now. First up, interesting interesting story uh, that was in the New Zealand Herald uh, about the flights the flight centre uh, being hacked was the uh, was this was the story. Now these guys are before the courts at the moment. the um, the, the headline was flight centre's one hundred twenty three thousand dollar attack. By hackers. Now we don't really know the full story behind the situation, uh, but what we're aware of uh, is that the uh, the flight centre had a, a bunch of these uh, Mastercard uh, cash passports, which are basically um, yeah prepaid um, or the debit cards, aren't they? That yeah. uh, that I guess they sell or, or provided to customers in some form. And I mean, what we've heard so far su- suggests that they they had uh, they had the information about these. Uh, these cards stored somewhere either on their premises in a physical sort of print form um, or maybe the cards were were accessible are usually those things you need to scratch to get at the numbers uh, or in a digital form that um, wasn't secure enough so um, uh, the two accused were able to get at that information so my question to you guys is that really is that really hacking? Unless they they came in from outside the organisation, tunnelled into their network, and was, and broke in and stole them, which I'm not sure if that's actually the case here. Yeah, I was going to say it's a crime story, not a technology story, isn't it? It, it does. It sort of seems that way. It's. Uh, I mean, well, it's hard to know the tech elements to it. Um, you know, I mean, if an organisation is is handling that sort of information, that data should be encrypted so that people can't get it. And there's certainly rules around uh, real credit cards now because these are debit cards. Mm. Maybe they've they've sort of flaunted what would be the rules if they were credit cards, and they've stored them in a very loose manner that's uh, left the flight centre uh, at risk and, and out of pocket for 123,000. Well, the tech angle is, is a little bit of fear of security online bit of fear of security when anything to do with computers it's you know techno fear more than oh, sorry yeah oh, yeah i get that all the time whenever i go out it's the fear of losing your credit card or someone taking a number and the receipt and pilfering but i don't know yeah well i guess i mean there's a couple of good points here one uh is that you know often you know well not that often because it's kept under the radar but you you do hear of businesses if you're close enough uh, to them, uh, businesses often have fraud situations that come up, but more often than not, they don't get to court and they don't get to the media because the business doesn't always want the story to be out in the public. But in this in this yeah. case, they've gone they're going to the full extent but, of the law. But Paul, fraud is fraud goes back you know two three hundred. It goes back ever since we've had money. It goes back to Roman times for heaven's sake. 
the thing is, is that money these days is tied up with computers, so computers always play a role now in any modern fraud. It's, mm. it's mm-hmm. that straightforward. It, like I say, it's not really a computer story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like saying that a Formula One race is a computer story because there's computers driving the you know, parts of the car. Well, the flip side is that, that everything is a, te- is yeah. a technology story because technology is, is, is in everything. So it's that's like, why we talk about everything from car, cars to um, to yeah, electronic money fraud. It's like Elvis everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I prefer tech to be everywhere, Bill. Uh, He's just left the building, Bill. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, fascinating. Anyway, that. Um. That. That. This one has sort of come public. But I think. Um. Uh. I'm. I'm pleased that the flight centre have gone through the process. The other point I wanted to mention is that my understanding is that all the money that was lost off their customers' uh, cards, uh, flight centre, I believe, have picked up that. Uh, have picked up that tab. So, you know, I think that uh, that shows they're taking response. You know, full full responsibility. As a bank does in most cases in this country, if you if you lose money uh, through fraud on a credit card or or um, you know from your bank account, but it is worth noting in some countries and certainly for businesses, those pr- levels of protections don't apply. That's right. The, have the blokes been sentenced yet? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I think it's just gone before the courts, oh, right. which which is why it's been in uh, uh, in the in the Herald today. But uh, yeah. no doubt we'll we'll hear about that in in due course, and uh, they'll probably get a small slap on the hand. Well, and, I, was, uh, I was thinking, will they get the same kind of sentence that someone who nicked the hundred and twenty grand out the till would get? Yeah, that happens too. It does. Yeah. yeah. But often, often again, with those sorts of things that they you know they're kept well under the radar yeah. as well, aren't yeah. they? I'm sure yeah. the flight seat will be reviewing their uh, security procedures a bit more, so they won't be flying blind. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, now on to uh, on to Vodafone. Now we we had a good good chat with uh, with with Tony Beard last week about what was happening with uh, Vodafone's network. Some interesting bits and pieces there. Um, something that I forgot to bring up with him, and not really his area, uh, because uh, he's more the network guy rather than sort of marketing, but. I got uh, I got the letter this week, and, and it had been announced a little while ago um, around some changes with uh, with Vodafone's plans. And in my case, they said, "Oh, look, we've bumped you from a two hundred gigabyte data plan to a two fifty. Aren't we good? There's no extra charge." Um, oh, by the way, the um, the double your data option that we used to have, which off the top of my head was thirty or thirty five dollars. Uh, where they would give me another two hundred, or yeah, presumably two fifty. Um, well, yeah, it was two hundred. Um, that was yeah, around thirty dollars or so. Uh, they said, look, you know, people didn't like that too much. They had to buy that big, you know, big chunk, and they might have only needed a little bit. So we're moving to a model where, look, you can just pay for what you need. Isn't that great? And by the way, it's a dollar a gig. So if you need another two hundred gigs and you've used up your two hundred, it's going to cost you two hundred dollars on top. Bucks. Even though your first hundred, uh, your first two hundred, uh, probably costs you under a hundred dollars. Yeah, I used to have bills like that with my first internet account back in the dial-up days, or oh, twenty odd years ago. Um, I remember once I got a three hundred dollar bill because we went over, but that was like probably thirty megs or something <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? As, as I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it used to be for me when I would go over. Sometimes, yeah. yes, I would just go a little bit over. Yeah. Uh, but th- there've certainly been situations over the last you know year yeah. or two where I've gone over and I've been appreciative that I can actually get that whole 
well, block again. Now, if I go yeah. over, I'm I'm going to be well, really I, cautious because I, I can use um, ten gigs in a day, right? Yeah. Quite easily. I've and, got and, two hundred gigs. Yeah, but I hardly ever reach that. Right. Um, if somebody like you know who might be into gaming or whatever or, or downloading more, you might a dollar a gig is probably a bit. Of a rip, I would yeah, say. I get nowhere near that amount uh, hmm. at the moment. You don't but it. but if you if you use it and you let's say you go over by uh, you know twenty percent, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. well, well I was going to say, but is there isn't there a um, isn't there an option to dial back the speed? No, no, no. And and I think most people now don't want to do that. No, it, you know, it's no longer broadband if you dial back the speed, but just a fair price for it. I think a dollar a gig nowadays is. Uh, just just feels a little bit. Uh, well, I was gonna I was gonna go. I was I was gonna be the sort of the old man here and go back twenty years when the internet was fresh and new. The first time we bust our cap by a lot, the um, the ISP waived it because you know, no one had ever done that before. Well, <laughs> on fifty kbps, <laughs> yeah, but also because we've been a good customer paying the bill monthly for month after month after month. I, I you know I'd hope there's some sort of leeway in. In Vodafone, if they if they're not if they're not dialing back the speed, then I don't know. It's it strikes me that there's almost a benefit for them if they can trap you into going over that and racking yeah. it up. Mm. It's a, it's interesting. Anyway, I just thought I'd point that out because I mean there is a lot of great innovation that yeah. that our that our carriers are doing, and I like you know some of the things that Vodafone are doing. Yeah. Uh, I happen to be one of their customers, and that's something that I don't like. And I think it's an important part of, I guess, what we do here on the NZ Tech well, Podcast. If we if we see something that relates to New Zealand consumers, yeah. uh, that that's hurting us from time to time, we should just put our hand up and uh, and and, and let them know. Well, what you're going to see is you're going to see examples of parents getting bill shock on their accounts if that happens. And I don't think uh, I don't think Vodafone's going to want to see those headlines in the papers on no, the news. No. It seems to be more I mean fortunately it's it? not the old going to be hopefully not the old bill shock where people get thousands of dollar bills but uh you know still you use double your data yeah. your 30 dollar bill's gone up to 200 or uh, you know more. or or, to, or 250. Um but I mean that's it they do send the warning emails and all that sort of stuff whether you know whether they get seen or not but uh yeah I and like you, I like the old, I like the old system better or or maybe they should they should well, give you both well, you so can remember pick that. and choose say look yeah I'll pay the double your data at 30 or 40 bucks or you can pay a, a, a dollar a gig that way they would uh, appease people like me but you know it brings up the other thing and that is is that New Zealand's I mean apparently most countries have some kind of data cap but they're much much higher than the caps we got in New Zealand are and they? are they really you, well uh, I'm I'm constantly we, told we, by readers are we benchmarking are. Australia um yeah look the thing is is I do talk to people overseas who've got who've got uncapped plans yeah but I don't think they're as common as some people like you know kim.com would have us believe that everyone's got them elsewhere that's because yeah. he's feeling good um, but <laughs> but it does bring that up as a question is you know how much is a gig worth mm, and mm, um, mm. what's it what's the marginal cost to to vote oh, yeah well it won't be a cent will it it's almost like a revenue grabbing thing, you know, yeah. with parking tickets and that. And you think you you want to be incentivised being a consumer. You don't want to put, you know, it seems to be a user pays. Um, it's bad marketing, isn't it? Yeah. So, but anyway, um, yeah. Thank thanks Vodafone for the extra fifty gigs. But if you can change that, but uh, we'll be happier. Now on to uh, a shiny piece of technology that we have uh, sitting here on my desk, plugged into mm. my uh, my thirty two inch uh, screen. Looks like a juicer. That's got an apple on it. The uh, the Mac, the new Mac Pro. So um, got my hands on this a week or, week or two back, and uh, been having a bit of a play around. Now this is an absolute sort of storming, 
high-end video production workstation or whatever other high-end sort of um, tasks that you want to do. But, it's uh, yeah, it's been pretty interesting having a play with it. Uh, The capabilities of it, it's uh, for those that uh, like their... their, um, their tech specs. This particular one has a, uh, a 12 core um, Xeon uh, CPU, uh, which nice. is which is really you know primarily designed for really high end uh, uh, you know, workstations and for uh, for servers. Uh, 32 gigs of RAM, and um, this has got uh, two. Um, it's got dual video cards in it as well from Apple. And it can drive uh, three three concurrent 4K uh, monitors or uh, six uh, concurrent um, full HD screens. So it's um, it's more than capable sort of your average uh, average workloads, um, and starts at uh, starts at about five grand, depending on what sort of you know spec you're after. I don't even have one 4K panel. Uh- but it looks like a beast. Well, most most of us don't. But I think for the high end video editing, this is the bit that yeah. sort of really interests me. Uh, in the in the session that I did with uh, with Apple, we went through um, some of the things that they showed me in terms of its its performance on video editing was mm. was extremely impressive. Just in terms of the the lack of sitting around waiting, which you expect to do with big uh, big video files and you know high definition. Um, Imagery and uh, yeah, there just weren't those sort of delays when we were you know playing around with uh, a whole lot of videos on uh, on Final Cut Pro. I want to put that price into perspective. I, I was thinking about that before we um, before we came on air. Mm. Um, Thirty years ago, the Mac first appeared, and I have one about three months after the very or two or three months after they first arrived. Um, within weeks of them arriving in Britain, where I was living at the time, and it cost me. About two and a half thousand pounds. At that time, there were close to four New Zealand dollars to the pound. So we're talking about 10 grand in New Zealand money. Wow. And 10 grand. And and let me tell you, two and a half thousand dollars. I bought my wife a car the same year that cost Mm. us 900 pounds. Brand new, I should say. Mm. A new car. So in relative terms, this is, well, it's way cheaper than that in relative Mm. terms. It's, Mm. It's about the same price in you know, in dollars. Um, so the the price of these things has come down so And it just, and it keeps so, coming down, yeah, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, people will say, well, the new Mac Pro is actually more expensive than, uh, than, than the previous Mac Pro. And there, there, there certainly is a bit, there is a, there's a difference. Um, but we've got a lot more inside this in terms of, um, the SSD storage and the, uh, you know, the dual video cards and, and, and so on. And it's a professional system. It's not a toy. It's not, it's not something, you know, you, mm. you put in the kid's lunchbox. It's. Yeah, it's, I think there'll be a few people that'll be buying this machine because it, because it is actually a pretty, uh, a pretty funky machine. Uh, but, you know, generally this, this is really aimed at those who are using, uh, using Macs for doing, uh, you know, real, real production, uh, workloads and, uh, you know, time is money. And, uh, you know, if they can make somebody more productive whose, uh, you know, time is, is worth, you know, whatever it is, hundred bucks an hour or so, it doesn't take, uh, doesn't take too long to, uh, actually pay for a machine like this. It wouldn't get my word processing going any faster. Um, no, no, that, uh, that comes down to you, Bill, to, uh, to get that work done faster. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, by the time you build one of these up with with you know all the right bits and pieces, 4K monitors and so on, 
um, you know, there'll be situations where people are spending, you know, 30 grand to get, uh, you know, to get the right setup in, in, in place. So, um, you know, that base sort of 5K K price is really just the starting by the time you add in, uh, yeah. um, you know, the new 4K definition, uh, you know, screens and, and the like. I got to upgrade my stuff now. We all got to throw it all out and start again. Isn't that the, isn't that the way of it <laughs> in the technology world? Ultra SD to 4K. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, very, very nice, very nice piece of, uh, piece of equipment. Nice. And Apple seem to have put quite a bit of effort into making their software really take advantage of it. And that, uh, particularly with, uh, um, the, in the video editing, uh, space. So, uh, and that's, I guess, one of the keys if you're going to put, um, these, yeah, the graphics cards in there is to get them doing as much of the processing as you can. Not, yeah. not that the, uh, 12 core CPU is a is a laggard by any means. Uh, that's that's pretty powerful uh, as it is, but uh, leveraging the video cards as well uh, makes yeah. it very very fast. So is this wildebeest of a of a hardware is that available at the moment to buy? Yeah. So they well yes yes and no. They officially launched in uh, they officially launched in in December, just a few days out from uh, from Christmas. Uh, but pretty quickly when you went online to have a look at ordering, the, um, the availability date was February. And, uh, oh, yeah. when I looked a few weeks ago, uh, that was bumped out to March. Uh, so yeah, the, I think they're in, uh, they're in pretty hot demand. And Apple haven't done much of a refresh in their Mac Pros line for, for a while. Um, now the, the downside that people are complaining about is the old Mac Pro was huge. Now this is quite a small, um, Quite a small beast, uh, five kilos in weight, so it's it's uh, okay. it's reasonably hefty, and uh, it relies on what they call the thermal core to uh, to keep it cool. So it's very very quiet. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of expandability, most of that happens on the outside. So it's got six of these twenty gigabits per second uh, Thunderbolt ports that uh, that you can plug, you know, whatever external storage into you want. And it's going to be extremely quick. And I guess that's now with Thunderbolt, we don't necessarily need to have all these things. Internal to the machine because the external connections are, uh, are ju- you know, just as fast. Yeah. Hmm. So are people complaining that it's not as big. Well, I guess it's that we can't fill it up with hard drives type of story that people are used to doing with you know these workstation type machines where you can you know, put a few dry array array or whatever you know set yeah. of disks inside. With this, the disks have to go uh, you know externally. Other than the SSD. And you can, uh, they offer up to a terabyte, um, SSD internally. Uh, so, yeah, you can actually do a lot on, on that internal yeah. drive if, if you choose to. Obviously, if you're working with a lot of 4K video, uh, then you can chew through a, a, you know, a one terabyte disk pretty, uh, pretty quickly too. So, uh, so having that external storage is, is definitely, uh, yeah, relevant. Probably use those on the next Hobbit movie, maybe. Oh, I think there's all, all sorts of things that certainly could 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 be done with them. Uh, I think they've done that. They've pretty much finished all the movies, haven't they? In terms of, uh, well, I guess there's still work. There's still work going going on for the next one. But um, now, I guess, yeah. Look, looking back, um, Bill, the, that original Mac. What were your thoughts of it? Being last week being the 30th anniversary of of the Mac, what was it that sort of twisted your arm to uh, to make that you know purchase? I went to the press conference and I thought I must have one of these because this is what computers are going to be like in the future. Now I've got to point out that at that time the machines that we had were things like CPM and 
I think the original IBM PC had come along, but it was pretty green. Mostly looking at green green yeah. screens yeah. with plain text. N- nothing had a mouse. Nothing had no. any sort of graphical user interface that's, that's right. of, we, and, of and, any note. And I was working on a couple of magazines in London, Practical Computing and Your Computer, and we had one into the offices. We, we'd actually previously had a Lisa in, which was like an earlier version of the Mac. That's but, right, yeah. But then we had a the Mac A lot more in. expensive and bigger. Yeah. Well, we had the Mac in, and... I just sat down for a play with it to you know, write about it, as you do in, in the job. And I just thought, this is how computers will be you know, in the future. Mm. And um, it just had that feeling to it. But it also had graphics, which, which it seems hard to explain now, but graphics did not exist on computers at that point. I mean, if you were drawing something on a printer, on a dot matrix printer, I should point out, you would use... A, a graphics character set, like an 8-bit character set, and you'd have to piece these things together to do drawings and so on. Unless you had a, a graph. It's like making an image up out of a set of tiles with, yeah, with yeah. logos on them and things. Or alternatively, or alternatively, you would use a graph plotter, but, but yeah, you know, you yeah. wouldn't... That was very, very basic, wasn't it? Yeah, In terms yeah. of the computer output that you could get off a dot matrix. And then really, I mean, when the, when the Mac came along, it, it really did, you know, change everything, didn't it? Absolutely. And, and um, it was much easier to use. And yeah, the 128K model was a bit of a pain. You had to swap the disks around if you wanted to store your Word document or you had to copy the Word processor onto a disk to, to use and so on. It's quite painful by modern standards. But again, um, floppy disk drives were relatively new at that point. And um, it was it was a very powerful beast and you could do things that you couldn't do on other computers and sure it had a small screen sure the keyboard was a you know wasn't as great as some other keyboards but it was but it was instantly obvious that you were going to be more productive with this little thing than you would have been with the you know the things that it replaced in my in my house i think it replaced a very very basic cpm machine Mm -hmm. yeah i remember getting the um yeah the mac plus in the you know sometime in the late 80s and, uh, yeah, I mean, any time going near a Mac was just such a different experience than going near, uh, you know, a PC of the time. They all look, you know, they all look the same. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the attempt of, you know, Windows 1 and Windows 2, you know, those graphical operating systems when they came out was very, very poor. And the fit and finish of the Apple uh, was just something that... Uh, I mean, it's hard to sort of describe. There's a, I, you know, I felt there was an emotional connection with, with the... Yeah, the, of the whole experience that you didn't have working with any other piece of technology because there was that mix of the design mix, I guess. You know, like you, when you walk into a, a beautifully architected building, this was beautifully architected hardware from top to bottom and throughout the operating system and how you interacted with it. And there wasn't any, any other experience like it in computing, was there? No, no. People would talk about it being intuitive. Well, that's not true. It's not intuitive. I mean, you don't. You know, you don't come out of your mother's womb knowing that you've got to move a mouse across a screen to do things. <laughs> but, but my word, it was easy compared with anything else at the time. It was just, you know, everything was easy and quicker. And you, you could give it to people that hadn't used a computer before and they could be doing stuff on it within, you know, within, well, I wouldn't say minutes, but certainly within, you know, an hour or so, they could be doing something, which just just wouldn't do that on a uh, mm. on a previous machine. Mm. So it it really did change everything. Yeah, and there were there were lots there were lots of uh, 
there were there were lots of just really little things that were were so nicely done from just when you turn it on to the sound of it. Yeah. Um, which is odd today when you know think or well, everything makes a nice sound when you turn it on, mm. so you don't even think mm. about it. But, but, they, but the, the sound that it made like. when it came on, you you know you wanted to eject the floppy disk and you drag it on on screen and it would. Yeah, pop out with a nice little sound What's and so on. What's the sound it's, the Apple make? Because I'm totally Apple literate. It's funny. Um, I can't remember the the sort of the ding that it used exactly what it sounded like. The original sort of ding that it used to make <laughs> when you turned it on. But, I'm not going to sing it. Come uh, on, Bill. <laughs> but it did. Yeah. But I mean, computers in those days didn't really know how to make a noise other than just a, a very Sonic um, real sort of bleep. yeah, very simple beep, the error type yeah. beep. Yeah. Uh, nothing friendly. And, uh, you know, I guess, yeah, that was one of those things. So, oh, good fun to reminisce. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I guess the pleasing thing is that, that Apple is still around and, uh, yeah. and, and is still designing some, some rather nice products as we, as we can see here at the moment. So, um, but a bit more of a competitive market, shall we say, than it was back then. Yeah. And, and many of the things that were totally unique to Apple, of course, yeah, you can't be unique in the market for too long before people will, uh, uh, look at what you do and emulate it and, and, and compete in various ways and so on. I wouldn't say Apple's had 30 years at the front of the industry, but it's had, it's, but it's been, you know, up there for 30 years and it's certainly been, it's no other company has had that influence over mm. what we're doing today with computers. Love, um, them, or, love them or hate them. Mm. Now, for, there have been some varying reviews on the, uh, the Jobs movie. Have either of you seen it? Not no. I. So it's available. Um, it's available through most of the streaming services now. A lot of people uh, decided yeah. they, you know, it wasn't worth seeing at the movies. In fact, I don't know. Did it come out here at the? Uh, I don't in think the, it in did. the cinema. I'm not sure no, that it did. Yeah, no, but it, it's available. Um, it's available on Quickflix on their um, their yeah. their pay per view. Um, you know, naturally iTunes and Xbox and all those other sorts of uh, um, services. So you know, if you're interested in a bit of computer history that that covers Apple, yeah. Um, that one certainly varies in terms of the comments around it. Uh, I saw um, um, Steve Wozniak uh, online a, a few weeks back on uh, on Google Plus, actually giving just his straight up opinions on yeah, some yeah. of it and where it was wrong and so on. Uh, he was he was saying that um, Pirates of Silicon Valley is is uh, probably a better story <laughs> of a, of a lot of uh, of what happened back then, and that's something that you can uh, that you can get. Uh, you can watch online as well. So that one's from 1999, so it goes back quite a way. Um, yeah. But it, but it's got a lot of that early uh, history of Apple and and, and Microsoft and and so on. So uh, if you if you're after a little bit of history of where all of this uh, modern stuff uh, came from, yeah. um, th- those two are, are ones that are an interesting watch. And I quite enjoyed the Jobs movie, you know, despite the the reviews and so on, because um, yeah. you know it's just it's just good to see how these things are. are uh, dramatized a little bit. It's, it's quite tepid, eh, the reviews? Yeah, it's funny how things you kind of live through and work through are now history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, we're getting old, Bill. Goodness <laughs> did, did, me. Uh, did old Kutcher pull it off, playing jobs? Oh, he got the walk down anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, he had a walk? <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I think that was his best, uh, his, okay. his, his best part once he had that now. No, it, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, now on to uh, on to a, a, another company that uh, sort of has it has its roots uh, many years ago. Uh, 
Lenovo, who we're going back probably uh, three, four, five years now ago, who uh, bought um, IBM's PC division. 2005. 2005? I think, yeah. No, it can't be that long ago. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. Well, um, <laughs> a- anyway, so, some, ye- some years ago, um, and, some, and um, Bill's memory is probably better than mine on this one, uh, you know, the Chinese company Lenovo, who, what were they called back then, Bill? They were called Legend at one point. Okay. Um, and yeah, they bought they bought IBC, the IBM PC company. Everybody thought that was going to be a disaster. That you know mergers and so on, acquisitions in the tech industry. There's not been a good history of them. Um, it's probably one of the most successful ones ever, actually, mm-hmm. um, because at the time IBM's business was well, it was going nowhere. Um, I mean, they, they made some pretty good kit, but it was uh, pricey and it wasn't really uh, gripping the market. Today, Lenovo, I think, is um, I think is number one in PCs. Well, but it's certainly number one in um, um, some some. Yeah, I quarters. think I think in PCs yeah. you know, on a on a global basis, um, and and partly based on their success uh, in their home market of China, yeah. which which is yeah the biggest market but, uh, for PCs anywhere. But that, but it's, it's also the, but the other thing about them, Paul, is they're profitable, and the the other contender for number one slot is HP, who we all know are not making money from their PC division, or if they are, it's if they are, it's pretty sort of marginal. Whereas the, uh, Lenovo actually made, um, I think they do about thirty billion a year now. This is off the top of my head, so people at home with Wikipedia can um, can look this up, but. Off the top of my head, it's about $30 billion in revenue, and I think they made about a billion dollars in profit on that. So for a uh, for a PC company, that's pretty solid. Mm, mm. I would never think of uh, Lenovo being that popular. Well, they're not PCs, popular in the New Zealand market, are they? Uh, and that's the point where you know, HP have virtually you know, yeah. or maybe yes, around half the market or so oh, yeah. here in New Zealand. Very, very strong. Uh, they've, you know, they've, they've got a really solid... Uh, yeah, team on the ground compared to a lot of the other companies that have yeah. very few staff. So we look at Lenovo. Well, there's virtually nobody here. We look at Dell. Yeah, that mostly you know you, mm, you order yeah. it online from from offshore. Uh, Even Apple's not here in its own. Yeah, its own yep. And right. and and so that's that's the common situation. Well, whereas you know HP have taken the New Zealand market much more seriously than anyone else. They've invested in it. Mm. You know, mm. and and as they should, they have a market share as response. Mm. One of the things I discovered, I mean, years of writing about technology. Um, one of the things I learned was if you invest properly in the New Zealand market and you actually put some management in here and don't try and run the show out of Singapore or Sydney, you'll do well. Mm. If you're going to run, if if you run it out of Sydney, you're not going to do well. It's that simple. A lot of it comes down to building the the yeah, relationships yeah. With, across the market and, 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 and understanding and so what what's different about New Zealanders from Singaporeans or mm. Mm. or whatever Australians, Americans, yeah, whatever, yeah. Mm. I mean, we play rugby here, guys. <laughs> so, now the point of our chat mention about Lenovo was um, that IBM have just just announced in the last week that uh, that this now not they've you know that they're now selling their the other big chunk of their uh, their business, which is their their Intel based servers, which are the you know primarily the servers that uh, that most people would see from from IBM. Sure, they've still got some other high end servers that they well, they probably uh, yeah charge some much bigger margins on, but uh, their main server division is uh, is going to uh, Lenovo as well. It's a win win for 
both companies because um, Lenovo gets scale. It gets them into the business sector, which they might have had difficulty getting. I mean, even though they had ThinkPad, which was a, yeah, essentially a, a business PC brand, um, it gets them in front of a lot of business customers who are going to need PCs with their servers. Um, it gets them into the sharpest accounts and, the, and, and some of the most lucrative accounts out there. Um, and Lenovo, L- Lenovo, uh, can handle the margins. They're operationally excellent. So they can make a profit on selling this stuff. IBM, on the other hand, it was a low margin business for IBM and IBM's used the money to go out and buy a cloud computing company. And they think that's where they're going to make their money in the future. Well, good luck with that IBM because no one really makes that much money out of the cloud, but we'll keep that one quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they've, they've, they've got to, uh, like, like most businesses today, they've got to keep reinventing themselves. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's be fair. IBM have done a very good job of reinventing themselves. Yeah. And, you know, they, out of all of the, you know, the old computer companies that were around, and, uh, well, before my time, um, you know, IBM is, is pretty much the only, uh, um, you know, name that, that has a really dominant presence or, or even exists yeah, today. Yeah, it's sort of strong brand name worldwide, globally. Mm. Yeah, and, and the thing is, they're brave. They have a willingness to do that, which is, you know, all, you know, all credit to them. Mm. And the interesting thing is the numbers. $2.3 billion is was the deal to Lenovo uh, that, you know, Lenovo paying for... Uh, for that that server division um, doesn't doesn't sound like a you know a huge amount of money when you um, uh, you know when you consider it in this in this in the scheme of things and the scheme uh, of uh, you know IBM's um, yeah IBM's value. I reckon Lenovo will get that back in. I mean, if they if they do as well as they did with the PC business, they'll get that back in three years. So they did, they did very well with that, didn't uh, they? For them, yeah. I think, as I say, I think it's win-win. I think both sides win. Um, whether the whether the IBM's customers win is another question. We'll see. Mm. Well, Lenovo did a good job with the uh, the ThinkPads and most of the you know the, most of the products. They've kept up that quality. Uh, when we were chatting earlier, Bill, you were mentioning that you know they've kept on management and research teams in the in the US that yeah. were really the the key that uh, that made those products great for so many years. While IBM had them. Uh, they just didn't get the profitability part right. Well, because they got the low low manufacturing costs from China, they got the, they got the best of both worlds. Mm. And the other thing is is that um, it meant that they didn't have to cut corners because the because Lenovo could make those that kit and make it well and make it at a good price. It meant that they didn't have to start cutting corners, which is what some of their rivals um, were doing around the same time. Mm. Um, so I'm very impressed with Lenovo. They're, they're the brand you don't really hear much about in New Zealand. No, no, very, very quiet here. Um, although, you know, we, we often, uh, do get some of their, their gear to look at. And, uh, one of the ones we've been playing with recently is that little, uh, um, eight inch, uh, Windows tablet from them, which is, um, has been good. But we'll dive back into the little, uh, tablets in a few, in a few minutes because we've got another, uh, New one here to uh, to talk about. Um, now, just looked up um, IBM's uh, market cap. So, you know, one way of valuing a company, one hundred and eighty-seven uh, billion today. Um, that makes this this purchase uh, basically indicates that the uh, the the uh, X eight six server business, which is what they're selling to Lenovo, uh, 
sits between you know one and two percent of the value of the whole business is you know is what what they're saying with what they've sold it for. Yeah, it's about the drinks budget. Um, so it's it's uh, <laughs> they don't see it as very important. Yeah. Whereas for most people, that would be the main place that they see uh, they see the IBM yeah. um, name for you know people in the tech industry would be seeing those those, those servers uh, around the place. money comes from what's on those servers, services and software yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, fascinating, uh, fascinating stuff, and uh, it will be interesting to see whether Lenovo pull this one off as successfully, or whether the shrinkage that we see, uh, you know, happening within the server industry as you know more businesses move to the cloud uh, impacts them, or whether they'll get the deals with the uh, Microsofts and Amazons and Googles to actually buy some of their equipment to go into those massive cloud data centers. No, I don't think that's what's going to happen. What I do think is there's going to be a market for servers for you know years to come, even if um, the cloud's handling more and more work. There's still, there are still going to be servers. And um, Lenovo is probably as well placed as anyone to meet that. Um, again, because they've got that low cost of manufacturing. Mm. All right. Well, uh, iPads in schools. There's been a bit of uh, a bit of news, oh, a, bit of, a, bit of, a bit of a bit of a bit of news, bit of news on that one today. So uh, what what we've uh, what we've heard in a number of media have been uh, uh, have been reporting this. Uh, is that uh, we've got a school down in the Bay of Plenty? Uh, in the Bay of Plenty, yes, we have. I'm just playing um, it up on my Android phone. That have uh, said they are going to give uh, an iPad, an iPad Mini. I think it is. Looking at the price point, they're saying about yeah. four fifty each. So an iPad Mini out to uh, all the the students in, in certain uh, um, age or year brackets. Uh, it's just going to be a free thing if you go to that school. It Mom, is. Dad, yeah. can I go to that school, please? Yeah, Mom, Dad. That school role is going to be exponentially growing. Well, that, and that's that's the point that got me thinking. Is this is this a good business case for the school? They've already had half of it funded down there by, uh, I believe it's Trust uh, Trust Power, uh, you know, the old um, power board down there. Um, Trust Power, I believe, are behind it as one of their funders. They'll, they'll potentially get some others. And if they can get funding in to make this happen, and then push up their uh, their their school role, uh, they'll then they'll get more government funding because they've got a bigger role. They'll you know overall have the potential to become more successful. Well, it's uh, two hundred and fifty iPad Minis would be what about hundred grand? Um, How do I say two fifty a pot times? Uh, no, four. They're about, about four hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 over, yeah. over 100 grand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, at, at 100, least. 120K. Yeah, I think you buy um, 250 at wholesale, mate. Oh, look, that's sensational. Well, to, to I don't, say I don't that know. There um, is much of a wholesale with uh, with eight <laughs> percent with a lot of brands these for days. For so, four school in Papamore. Yeah, yeah, Arco, yeah. Keep Papamore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean. Is it is it a good move? Does it make sense for the school? What do you think, Wal? Yeah, I do. I think it's it's good having technology in the kids' hands, starting them off early, early adopters, and you know, being a nation like we are, we, we're quite quick adopters at technology. Uh, what I'd like to see is this happen everywhere. I think iPads a good way. I mean, the question is, is iPad the best tool for this? And I think the iPad Mini is an excellent tool for this. Chromebooks would be good too. Um, I would like to see some way of funding so they get into the low decile schools. I, I, th- I think that's got to be an educational priority for our for us as a country. 
But how do you do it? You're handing this out for free. Kid breaks it after three months. Then have you got a student that can't yeah, participate? Yeah. No, insurance After policy. 12 months, does the school then have to do the same I Again, think, is it the right place for it to be funded I think by the school? I, Do you need to have some other things surrounding it? And in the picture, they showed, you know, some um, some rubber cases on the iPads, which I think yeah. is good for protection. Uh, you've got to have insurance. You've got to have security. You some might, other pieces that are important. The, you, might, you might ask the parents to stump up some insurance. Yeah, mm. I, I think so. Yeah. Because I think you want to fill. You just want to make sure that whole yeah. picture is filled yeah. out yeah. because yeah. otherwise. Uh, yeah, you could uh, you could leave some kids behind when their one uh, breaks or gets stolen, or yeah. you know they get beaten up for their uh, for gets, their iPad because ev- every iPad. Uh, every eight year old kid's carrying around a uh, you know an expensive device. But I want I want to see this up in the uh, East Cape, up in Northland. I want to see this in those um, you know schools where the kids come come yeah. barefoot. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there could be a lot of that. That could be a good initiative or an incentive for these these uh, manufacturers and, and companies to get behind the schools and, and incentivize schools, yeah. discounting them. Yeah, even, yep. even university tertiary students. Well, um, I think at, the, at that sort of university level, I mean, yeah, you know, people just know that's a tool that they have to have. Uh, but for, you know, for the younger kids, their parents aren't always in a position mm. to uh, uh, to do that. But uh, you know, I th- I think having the having good technology in the hands of uh, um, you know, our young students is is as important as having the right books and curriculum, and you know, pens and pencils and everything else. Uh, you know, you can't really operate well, without the New without South technology. Wales government can you? did exactly that. They gave every school kid a, a, a notebook. It was, mm. I think, it was about a thousand dollar notebook. Who, who was that, Bill? New South Wales. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, did yeah. that. So, is an is a notebook more more practical for school because you can actually feed a lot more information in in terms of taking and taking story, notes yeah. when you're when you're in a when you're in a lesson. Uh, you've got all of the, I guess the the um, uh, productivity type apps that are probably useful for a, for a school and in, in terms of um, well, you know, things able to probably run a little bit better on a on a on a laptop. Whether it's a uh, Bill, you were saying a Chromebook or a uh, a Windows, you know, machine now, which with Windows 8 yep. sort of synchronizes with the cloud. I, I, Should I, it be a tablet or a laptop? All of the above. The thing is, is um, our the pe- the people who we're talking to, the people who are going to listen to the podcast, are probably going to be a little different to some of the kids who are in the you know the lower classes uh, of schools, the um, the ones who the ones who are in danger of being left behind. For those kids. I think a keyboard may be a bit intimidating, whereas a touchscreen is not. Mm-hmm. Though, um, and certainly a pen interface or something might be right because they may learn they they may learn they can draw before they can be comfortable mm. typing things in. There's more of a fun factor, isn't there, to a tablet yeah, and a laptop? It's, it's like paper and pen, isn't it's it? It's more tablet? approachable. And the other thing yeah. is, is a tablet is very much a consumption device. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's less pressure on you to. Do stuff that may you maybe find a bit hard, right? Yeah. So if, you, if you're using a tablet, you might not be yeah creating so much content and feeding it yeah. in there, but you still use it as a as a learning tool. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to move on and put a keyboard on a tablet, you can. Mm. Mm. You know, so so. But I, I I just think this is a lovely story. It's a great story, and um, you know, probably in two or three years' time, we'll all be, all schools be doing this. Mm. All right. Well, um, fascinating stuff. And, uh, yeah, I hope we get this right as a country because I think there are a few other pieces that you need to fill out. You can't just drop technology into people's laps and hope that it will deliver the results. No. Uh, No. You've got security constraints, you know, kids – 
getting access to porn, all sorts of things that you, that you need to have a strategy to well, uh, to address. Otherwise, you know, there there's a potential to end up doing more harm than good. I think I think one of the areas which we're in danger of neglecting is spending money on training the teachers to use the new tools. Um, that's that's where I'd like to see some money as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a really <laughs> to be good, fair, it doesn't take much doesn't it, to to train somebody on using how to use the. Oh no, but I don't, I don't mean I don't mean training a teacher on how to use the tablet. I mean training a teacher on how to use the tablet as a teaching as a teaching tool. aid, yeah, mm-hmm. teaching tool, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good. Yeah. good. Uh, now, a uh, couple of other things before we wind up. Um, now we've got a, a bunch of providers that give us a level of this sort of free online you know, cloud storage. Uh, I guess it's sort of becoming the uh, the new place to store your data. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Microsoft have had their SkyDrive for a while, and they started out giving away 25 gigs free, which was all very nice until they cut it back to uh, seven for uh, for new users that didn't didn't get in while it while it was 25. Um, still, very competitive offering. Um, they had a bit of dramas with. Um, Sky, Sky TV, will be Sky B as it is in the UK, and uh, a bit, a bit of a um, a trademark dispute there, Bill. Now, uh, what's what's your take on this? They've, they've had to rename uh, Sky Drive to uh, to OneDrive. It's going to confuse people, or it doesn't matter. Um, I think it's well. Some of this is ridiculous. I mean, it's. I don't. I don't see how anyone could confuse Microsoft Sky Drive with Sky TV. I just don't. And the normal rule in these things is whichever one of the companies has got the deepest pockets and is, you know, happiest to litigate the longest is going to win this. So, um, I don't, I don't Who re- knows the full story? I yeah. guess Microsoft have the, also have that challenge that everyone's a partner and everyone's a customer yeah. as soon as you deal with any big business. Uh, so, you know, they've also got to be Look, careful of treading on toes. I think the, I mean, we, we all still call the Metro interface Metro, even though we're not supposed to. But mind They're not very good at those trademark disputes, Whoa. are they? I mean, Apple romp in with a new product, the iPhone or whatever it is. Someone else has got the trademark and, you know, they'll actually launch on the market before getting the trademark, even though they, they know that they're in, infringing. Um, and then they'll cut a deal and walk away and, and everyone just wonders, how did Apple do that? Microsoft just... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, don't memo to Microsoft, don't... get some better lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a whole different game they play, isn't it's it? It's one so. rule for Apple, one rule for Microsoft. That's what it seems to one be. drive yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, one drive to rule them all so i guess it goes yeah it goes with the xbox one and uh one note but uh, now i'm um, talking hang on a minute paul an interesting point about one drive is that yep. means that that means to me that means that one note brand is more important as well the, the one note has just changed in the last couple of days mm-hmm. and i saw that and i thought i wonder if that is in any way linked i wonder if that one one word one mm-hmm. whatever is yeah, is, is coming Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure we'll see more of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So they've updated the and and their business product, which was uh, SkyDrive Pro, becomes SkyDrive for business. Uh, now, tablets. We had a little tablet here. We wanted to have a look at before we go. Uh, in the last c- couple of weeks, we we chatted through around uh, the new Lenovo eight-inch tablet that um, I brought back from the US. There's mm-hmm. uh, the Toshiba eight-inch one. Um, now, Dell gave us hands-on very early on, you know, before it was uh, publicly announced, onto their um, 
their 8-inch tablet, the Dell Venue Pro 8. Um, they seem to have a very strange regime. Um, yeah, we were talking a little bit about these companies that don't have New Zealand, a real New Zealand presence. Mm. And Dell is one of those, uh, one of those companies. Now they've been selling this product in the market for, uh, for a couple of months. Um, but, uh, their, uh, their, their local PR team have just, uh, have just got their hands on one, uh, couple of months after launch. Quite a, quite a strange way of running a company, uh, it's if you ask me. Very comical. It's the left hand not knowing what yeah. the right hand's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we, but we, anyway, we've been looking at this new, uh, Dell Venue Pro 8. Um, any, any thoughts on it, guys? What, what do you think of, uh, that, that sort of form factor? I, yeah, I like the form factor myself. It looks robust and actually quite sleek. I quite like it. It's like a big, big phone, isn't it? It's kind of a fablet. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, it, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you don't like that term, do you, Bill? Oh. No. Um, but I, I've, I've, been using, um, I've been using the Lenovo one, which is a similar form factor, and yeah. the, um, the Dell just arrived today, so I'll get a bit more time on it over, um, over the next few days. Yeah. Um, but I'm finding this sort of form factor um, – is really really good, and Windows Eight on a tablet. You know, you take it away from um, you know PC and so on. That Metro style or modern interface actually works pretty well on a on a tablet and on a small device like this. And the way it synchronizes. So I fired up the Venue Pro Eight today. Uh, it popped up after I gave you know my credentials, like you would now on an Apple device or on a Google device. You give it your account details, and then it says, you know, hey, look, do you you know do you want to pull down? Profile and so on. So it basically offered to pull down uh, the configuration of my Lenovo tablet, pull down the apps, and and uh, and so on. So it's sort of you know it's done a big job of of making it uh, ready to go for me, and that was just using the free uh, you know the free cloud sync. Rather rather slick, I thought. Well, yeah, I like that. But do you know something? I haven't not, haven't Nokia got a device in this kind of size, which is a Windows Phone device. Uh, they yes, and I had a look at that in the states. The um, uh, the Lumia fifteen twenty, which is a uh, six inch. I'm going to use the word again, Bill. Block your ears. Phablet. Um, uh, so a, a six a six inch smartphone. I mean, I think this these will just become our large smartphones. The phablet yeah, term will yeah. probably disappear. I think. Um, and when so. when when you use it, I mean, gorgeous large full HD dis- display that was just so bright. And uh, yeah, people that I've spoken to that have started using them. Just yeah. say, look, I can't go back to my old five-inch screen. I actually really like it. And the thing is now, although it is, yes, that is a, it is a phone. It is a telephone. You can make a phone call on it. The, the bulk of what we tend to do on these devices, mm. uh, particularly if you go for a larger screen one, is, well, the phoning isn't the main thing that I do. Actually, I'm browsing the web. I'm reading emails. Uh, you know, I, I'm using Flipboard, uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. And um, the nice screen in a lot of cases, means you don't necessarily need uh, to use a tablet so much. Can you get it in your pocket? You can. Right. Well, well depending on the size of your pocket. Yeah, I mean, in your big in this top pocket I've got here, it's not going to fit very well in. Um, and that can be a challenge some days when I'm, you know, testing out a lot of phones and I've got four phones to carry around. So, yeah. um, but, you know, my trouser pocket, I can fit one, one well, in, there, in can each. Can you fit in your pocket? The uh, the Venue Pro Eight in your pocket, I think that could go in a sort of a big jacket pocket, uh, but it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't go in uh, in too much else. I okay. I, re- I remember the very first um, portable pocket sized computers. They were called Pocket, you know, spelled with a Q of all things, and you could get one of them in a jacket pocket. And they were they were roughly that size, but they had a physical keyboard. Mm, mm, um, mm. 
And yeah, look, I think these devices are great. Do you know the only thing? The only thing that occurs to me looking at these three Windows eight-inch devices is, man, they're a lot nicer than Android devices. Well, it's it's interesting. I think they do tend to they they are coming in at a you know at a premium. Um, Price point, so you're more up towards the fi- you know around yeah. that five hundred dollar uh, mark, um, and so there's room for a little bit more effort on the uh, the fit and finish. The Dell actually, when it, when they uh, previewed that to me, they also showed me the t- the new Android um, devices. Now that one's the Dell Eight Pro. There's a Dell. Uh, there are non-pro models that are Android-based, and they're actually very similar in terms of the fit and finish. So that's something that Dell have done, is they're just going very, uh, very similar. But yeah, when we look at the sort of the metallic um, on the uh, the Toshiba and the Lenovo, they're pretty nice. The interesting point about the Lenovo is that's their consumer product, and they've got a uh, a ThinkPad. Uh, eight, which is their um, an, an eight point three inch uh, tablet that I had a look at at CES, uh, which is aimed at the business market, and you know it fits in some other you know, businessy uh, you know capabilities, and you know, no doubt will be a little bit well a chunk more uh, expensive. But uh, um, I mean, as it is that um, that particular Lenovo um, tab- tablet there I think is a, uh, is a is a really classy product and uh, it's it's pretty solid and and reasonably lightweight too it was certainly a, um, the lightest of that bunch yeah so is it going to be like smartphones or it's going to be like Windows versus Android or iOS yeah I mean I think we're in the same position where you know people will probably pick an ecosystem and uh, yeah. I mean I mean let's face it today Android is that is that ecosystem that uh, that most people have jumped into with smartphones they're growing yeah you know, pretty strongly in the tablet space oh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, but I mean Apple share is isn't going anywhere either so uh, I mean Microsoft are uh, you know fighting at the smaller end of the market at at the moment but uh, I think it will be um, it'll be a fascinating next sort of twelve to twenty four months as uh, as Microsoft sees uh, you know Windows eight come on to more devices as they tweak it and make it work a little bit better with you know that balance between uh, you know how it works with a keyboard and mouse and how it works on a on a tablet and of course they're winning a lot of market share in the in the lower end smartphones with these uh, sub two hundred dollar uh, uh, Nokia devices and uh, if they can. Uh, ensure the prices are competitive and that they've got strong products in the tablet space. You know, they'll probably keep winning the market share, but uh, the problem is they're coming from so far behind. Well, there was a story on the wires earlier this morning saying that Samsung is flirting with Windows again, with um, Microsoft again. And if they can get one of the big brands across... Mm. Well, there was talk about uh, Sony maybe uh, yeah. coming back to a, a Windows smartphone as well. But so it only takes one of those mega brands. To take their market seriously yeah. and really push in and yeah. uh, makes a big difference. Now, there was something that uh, came through from uh, uh, one, of the, um, one of the Asian media channels around Samsung maybe uh, pulling out of doing uh, uh, laptops. Um, so that one, we don't have any official info on that, but uh, there, there have been a few little rumours around that uh, online. So that'll be fascinating what that means for the market if a player like Samsung uh, decides to uh, decides to step back from... Uh, Doesn't surprise me, Paul, especially yeah. if they're giving away free mini iPads in uh, Bay of Plenty schools. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let's, let's look at it this way, right? The, the laptop, the PC market in general is 
declining at what fourteen percent per knot. Yeah, that mm, kind of number. Mm. And I think I think it's probably I think the 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 worst of the decline is probably behind us now, but it's still going to be mm. declining. It's a long term. It's a, it's a you know a market that's not going to be there. Um, you know, why don't you play where the money is? Why don't you play mm. where the action is? Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't have a big uh, um, Samsung. Don't have a big slice of that particular market. They seem no. to, uh, you know, make their money in the in the smartphones and in the tablets. And you know, well, realistic. Well, hang on a minute. They might not. <laughs> well, that's certainly where they've got their market share, China, and I, I'm the sure they must be okay. making some uh, some reasonable profits yeah. off the you know, uh, you know, the Note three and uh, you know the 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 Galaxy. S four those you know those are high end products which I think there's room for room for some margin in um, but um, Bill you probably looked at some of the uh, yeah. so the the, um, the, the profits and so on for uh, yeah, the for these company think, yeah, the companies fi- the financial analysts think that might, that Samsung's not making money in that area. Well, if they're not, then virtually nobody is yeah. other, other than Apple. I mean, Apple are really the standout, uh, you know, in terms of profitability. Yeah. And that puts them in a great position because then they've got plenty of money to throw back into their research yeah. and development and, uh, you know, allows them to, to stay strong in the market. Not, not that uh, the other players aren't pouring a lot into that either. Uh, to stay competitive but I think uh, there's plenty of competition we're going to have a great year ahead of oh, yeah. uh, lots of new products hey thanks guys for uh, for joining us really appreciate Welcome. it it's been a pleasure now Bill we can track you down on uh, online you're uh, pretty ben. regular on Twitter yeah Bill Bennett NZ and uh, digital without an a.co.nz Excellent. Uh, you can track me down on Twitter at Paul Spain, uh, and uh, you can track NZ Tech Podcast um, on all the social media uh, channels from Google Plus to Twitter and uh, and Facebook. Um, well, can we find you online at all? Have you no, sort of anyone keep a can public find profile? Me on, I am an open book. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, well, thanks everyone for uh, for Not joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next week on the uh, on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.